forehead jogger. Whoa. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 211th episode of Space Spinner 2000. A podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for December 1989. Progs 657 or 659. This Merry time, Christmas, you ding-dongs. Yeah, Merry 31 years ago Christmas. It's a festive <laughs> mood as Dread deals with mentals, Christmas, and families. Chopper gets ready for the big race. There's uh, Zenith deals with superhero intrigue, and Judge Anderson gets random. Man, I feel like Zenith literally does nothing for most of that. <laughs> he has oh, one yeah. part in the whole thing. Uh, Listen, great. I think a, uh, a, a, a big discussion to have at the end of Phase 3 is just how much Zenith has been involved in this actual story. I, uh, I, I kind of <laughs> like it. It, it, I, it's, it. It's weird as that sounds. Yeah, no, it's a fun choice for sure. Also, uh, the dead man deals with acid. <laughs> That's right. Oh, Love man, dead that. man's so good. It's a, it's a danger river. Um, if you want to read the comics, <laughs> if you want to long, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the complete case files 13, Chopper Surfs Up, Tales of the Dead Man, Slain the Horn God, and Zenith Phase 3. And quick note, as we start the show, buddy, by my calculations, later this week when this one comes out, Tharg will put out Prog 2189 of 2000 AD, which means that we have broken the 30% completion mark of 2000 AD. Oh, thank God. Yeah, that's assuming we continue moving forward, of course, with each week. We just don't. As long as we don't move backwards through time, I think we're going to be okay. I mean, also, you know, our percentage clicks downwards every time, every every week. We don't put one. We, we, we don't do a prog episode. <laughs> like it true. goes down. It goes down by about a, a, a thousandth of a percent. I believe, or no, a a hundredth of a percent every time. Blows that uh, up. Yeah, listen. Every every spinny, every annual that that we put out here is not making this forward progress. Killing but us. As always, I will say, I could, um, you know. I'm glad that we've come this far in the journey, and I couldn't imagine going going onwards w- w- without you, my friend. I love you, buddy. Eat these progs for dinner. Oh yeah, I mean they're tasty. Real yeah, tasty. listen, get, get that ink, get that newsprint. That's what mm-hmm. you're looking for. Balanced diet. <laughs> and speaking of people uh, in unbalanced situations, Fox. Oh, pretty good. Like that. Nah, it's moderate. Thrill one. Chopper. Script robot John Wagner. Art robot Colin McNeil. Uh, coloring robot Tim Perkins. Letting robot Bambo Sejorju. Man, oh, man. So, Williams Marlin, is so Chop- hot. Williams is yeah, so yeah, hot. Yeah. Always. So hot. Yeah. <laughs> Williams is so hot right now. Oh, Dan. Marlin Chopper Shakespeare's in Mega City 2 ahead of the, of the Super Surf 11 race. He was a few other racers, including the, the uh, German Jürgen Haslinger, the That's Flying so Frankfurter. Funny. Imagine a lot of uh, – yeah, just a shout out to Fox in the future, I suppose, these German guys. Um, <laughs> and quiet Britsit kid Sonny Williams. Oh, man. He's so mysterious and quiet and brooding and beautiful. Yeah, he's on his own as the crowd gathers in a huge concert hall and media mogul Stig addresses the crowd. So is they he ask about blind? Th- yeah. Okay. 
That's it's not yeah, just like VR goggles constantly then. No, no, he's blind and weird, I think. <laughs> it's sort of an interesting like like I'm not I'm I, I I should ask some folks to figure out what Stig's supposed to like if this is a reference to something, I guess. Because like in 1989, you got to think if there's a rich hmm. media mogul, you're making a reference to like Rupert Murdoch, Murdoch or whatever. Uh, at least but, in the US, right? So in this case, well, it would be I Richard mean, Branson, I mean, right? No, no, no. In England, too, because he's buying up all those, like all the tabloids and stuff as well. Really? Like he's, you know, yeah, he started in England, I believe. I mean, he's Australian, yeah. but I, I think he got to start buying stuff in England and moved over to America in, in Interesting. both places. I did not know that. Um, yeah, but so, but I mean, Stig isn't like Rupert Murdoch just because he's kind of a young blonde, oh, like he's a young blind guy with, who's more sort of outwardly murderous, but he still could be. I don't know. I gotta, <laughs> again, I'll come back next time. I'll come back next time we talk about progs with some, with some deep, with some, uh, um, musings about Stig at this point. I don't, I don't have it ready yet. Um, great hair though. Oh, yeah. Listen, he's got this 90s sci fi hair. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so Stig addresses the crowd. Everyone's asking about like those fireworks that went off and killed and injured some racers last episode. And he instead has a big speech that they're all just a bunch of jerk sportsmen, <laughs> but people don't want sports. <laughs> they want blood. You know, it's never it's- good when you do the zoom in camera for the giant screen into someone's mouth. Really makes He's you look a- evil. Yeah, he's got a very um like nineteen eighty four kind of kind of look mm. here. Yeah, with sitting at the podium with a big screen that's just a real tight shot on his face. And yeah, he basically just kind of gives a speech that's very similar to the one like that Ulysses Cord gave at the end oh, of yeah. Harlem Heroes, I guess. If, if you remember, yeah, you know, just like like people just want to see people kill each other. <laughs> I'm just giving them what they want. Stop, stop yeah. putting your feelings into this stupid board thing. Yeah, the honor of your sport is BS, you jerks. Um, His 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 Grace Jones style assistant comes out and gives the lowdown. There's going to be guns and snipers along the route, plus various (laughs) violent obstacles to fly. You got to sign a disclaimer absolving Stig Inc. of any death or injury. I mean, I feel like you know at that point you're just kind of like, well, why why the guns? I mean, I guess I mean he said you want to see people die. So, yeah, he wants to guarantee it, you know, whatever. He just wants to shoot shoot these jerks, I guess. What the heck of people died um, in the last ones? But anyway. I mean, well, like, this is the point we, we made about Ulysses' cord as well. Like, <laughs> he's saying that, the, that he got rid of the heroes because it needs to be more violent. But the heroes, like, <laughs> took part in games where dozens <laughs> of people died. Like, he, they won one game that with those uh, kamikaze guys, I think, where they oh, yeah. where they won because the other team had to forfeit because they're all, everyone died. You know? <laughs> but still, it's not violent enough, I guess. Oh, we need more. We need more people committing seppuku. Well, I think if you compare, you know, when when we get there, the, when you compare the body count of Super Surf Eleven versus the Super versus the body count of Super Surf Ten, it is clear that Stig's trying to up the ante for sure. God damn. Um, so Jug McKenzie, previous champion, uh, rejects this outright, and the rest of the racers do seem unwilling to sign up until Sonny Williams gets up and does it. Oh, so and mysterious. with the damn broken, listen, he's got ambitions. <laughs> with the damn broken, Chopper's up next over his girl Charlene's protests, and he signs up as well. The race is back on. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. That night in bed, Chopper and Charlene are having an argument. Uh, Chopper, Chopper is, um, sorry, 
he he says he isn't feeling weird because he learned last episode that like when he beat Chopper in their like solo rematch, right. that Chopper that a jug jug was off for him. He says he's not feeling weird about that. Nah. Um, he just kind of wants to race because the race is there, even though, as Charlene mentions, it's probably suicide to go out there. He's just following uh, his freaking wind song path, whatever, bro. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, he refers to the sh- the, sh- the song lines, and Charlene is not buying it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's she's as skeptical so about this destiny shit as you are. Yeah, and she's super ripped. Like I said, uh, you know, all these Australian ladies, man, they, uh, they, you know, they, they only, they're they're looking good based on their diet of lean muscle from uh, marsupials and uh, giant spiders, which I assume is all that you eat in Australia. <laughs> Seems above board. Checks out. Mm, yeah, we see the news crew. We, we, we see a news crew's uh, discussing the additions to the course as Chopper and the others fly to get some practice. We're five days from the race. Chopper's been the rad back for too long, he thinks, and this city surfing is way more complex. or just more obstacles and less sort of open wind and stuff. Man, I did not notice how huge his knee pads were until this point, and they are magnificently huge. Listen, Chopper, he made them himself out of yeah. uh, rad scorpions or whatever, rad snakes. <laughs> You need a big knee pad for the out for the red back. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. It's chitinous, <laughs> you know? Totally. Yeah, definitely. Ooh, good word. Mm. He checks in with other racers and tries to bait Williams into like a mini contest, but the kid ain't buying it. The surfers are scoping the course, trying to figure out where the guns will be. They also <laughs> see Stig's balcony and the laser cannon he's going to use during the race despite S- being I blind. Fucking like, wow. <laughs> The um the crew wonders why they're doing this, and he um and and Chopper realizes it, and this is kind of a nice uh, uh turn of phrase here. He says the danger, the nearness of death, the need to push life to the edge just one more time. That's the song of the surfer, mm. which is the name of this whole story. The lads decide in the end that uh, Stig's got to pay, and just oh, as a so little fantastic. like a, a loose bouche of that, they fly by with a full court mooning. Oh no! So many butts. So many butts. He's been, transported to the surface of Jupiter because there's a dozen moons in the sky. Wow. Fantastic. <laughs> and uh, the assistant, and he like senses them and the, his assistant says, they're just uh, showing you the target. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, also. Get some lasers in the ass. Mm. Four days to the race, everyone's getting into fighting shape when suddenly a baby falls from a balcony. Oh, oh no! <laughs> Chopper goes to grab it, but there's no time. And then, like a flash, Sonny Williams is Boom. there and snags the kid. <sighs> so he brings it back. He's awesome. He brings it back to the mom, and it seems, though, to me, that while he caught the kid, it's not clear if that kid actually survived this whole situation. Oh. Uh, yowza, you know? Oof. Is this foreshadowing? With two days to go, Stig has announced a one million cred donation to charity for any racer that gets killed. And we see a new addition, Porcupine Alley, is basically just a big <laughs> tube full of spikes. <laughs> it's pretty rad. Spike tube. People are saying uh, Jug's a coward for not signing up for the race. Oh, that's such but he's BS. not hearing it. Oh, I ain't duffing me. I ain't browning me duffies over it. <laughs> oh man, he's he's got the right idea here, I feel like. Wow, wow, wow. That's the angry didgeridoo. <laughs> it seems a third place winner last last year, Dallas Hall, has signed up. And with 12 hours to go, Charlene's packing up out of Chopper's apartment. She's leaving him. 
Before she does, though, she begs him one last time to drop out of the race. Oof. And when he says no, she just flips him off. Screw you, mate. Uh, he slams so the door in his face. Yeah, he's super bummed. But then she comes back. She's not running away. <laughs> She'll love and pray for him and then bury him after the race. Man, all the tension just immediately leaves the scene because she just turns around and comes back. Yeah, I mean, she likes him more than she's willing. Like, honestly, I like this a little bit more than, like, if he she hadn't done it and then he, like, I don't know, saw her or, like, saw that she came back and that pushed him on or something to, just because that's so yeah, cliche. it is. Not that something like that isn't going to happen, but no. I like I appreciate that, like, she didn't actually, like, do the whole hog, I guess. Yeah, um, I'm there with you. I, I yeah, was just hoping yeah. for that, like, you know. It it just seems so weird because you turn the page and then it's just like, ah, it's fine. She's back. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I feel like 90% of like packing up, storming outs, like kind of go that way to be yeah, super sure. real, I guess. It's, um, uh, it's, it's, uh, oh, fuck. I forgot the word. Whatever. Oh, no. But, and I do like just as you saying, like, listen, you're going to die. Just FYI. <laughs> you know, don't, don't say I didn't, t- I, I, I didn't tell you so. Um, Later, there's a fight from Jug's room as things are thrown because it seems a drunken Jug wants to join the race too, but he isn't like practiced or anything like that in the race in six hours. And he's super hammered and also his girlfriend really needs to get underwear that fits. I think it fits right for her (laughs) You know? Butt cleavage. (laughs) Showing that. Listen, as we've, I feel like we've talked about this, but we all know that the butt is the cleavage of the back, Fox. It is very true. Um, Anyway, uh, Chopper seems reasonable, and he lures Jug into a closet, then locks him into it. (laughs) So great. Chopper heads out as Charlene wishes she could lock Chopper up as well. Next time. (laughs) Wipeout. That's fantastic. Wipeout. Exactly. Pretty good, man. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. They're really ratcheting up the tension and making it mm. feel real dangerous and stuff. Super Surfer 11 is going to start next next time we talk about progs. I'm real excited for it. It's going to be some really cool stuff. Lotta, like, ooh, this one's a real a real crazy Super Surfer in comparison to some of the other ones, which have been Interesting. more I'm excited. exciting. This one's got a little like this one ha- is 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 um. I mean, just just you can kind of tell just <laughs> from the the the, the stuff Stig's uh, setting up. It's oh, for sure. a little bit less less about the purity of um of sky surfing and stuff like that, I guess. He's a real piece of junk. I hate that guy. Yeah. He's going to be shooting at people and I'm going to be real sad. Absolutely. <sighs> yeah. And speaking of shooting people of shooting at people, Fox. Oh my god. Or about, Fantastic. about sad journeys, Fox. Oh, there's something. Let's go to Thrill 2, The Dead Man. Script robot Keith Ribley, art robot John Ridgway, letter about Jack Potter. Yes, sir! Yes, sir! Yes, sir! <laughs> Deep in a grunt-haunted forest in the cursed earth, the dead grunt-haunted. man chases his young friend Yasa as the grunts carry him to their cannibal hideout. Oof, not great. Yeah, first they kill and eat one of their own, then they turn to Yasa and Dog. Hey, they're looking real tasty and not, I guess, uh, you know, gruntish. You know, they like, yeah, they, they, they like like the exotic flavors, I guess. I mean, he's the filet mignon, right? He's young. Ooh. Um, 
gross. The wow. dead man lights a, lights a torch and follows their trail, but he seems to be too late. The grunts grab Yasa and seem poised to cut his belly open to harvest his Oof. guts. Oh, man. When it's real, real intense. It's pretty, and yeah, they got like a like a like a bowl to catch the guts, yeah. positioned over under him and oh, stuff. God! But what? suddenly, a sick, evil screech echoes through the camp, and a strange, dark figure appears. The grunts flee, and Yasa cuts himself and dog um, out of his bonds with the knife that was going to be used to gut him. And then it's their turn to run. Man, I mean, did he just get saved by the spoopy ghost? Something. Yasa mm. runs, uh, uh, runs, and terror comes after him. Woof. Spooky, Again. spooky specter. Yeah, spooky, spooky, <laughs> spooky, <laughs> scary specter lady. Wonderful. 10 out of 10. Um, Again, we just see John Ridgway going, drawing amazing stuff. Just this, this ultra dark and spooky forest, like all these roots and stuff coming out of the ground and like branches kind of grasping. Again, a very terrified child. A really just great scared kid drawing here with Yasa's face and so, giant terrified eyes. So uh, many different it, shots of him being terrified. Listen, it's great. Good eye work, as always. <laughs> um the dead man is catching up with them as Yasa and Dog cross a river and a massive arm or maybe a tree branch or something pulls Yasa back. The shadowy figure stands over him as he pleads for his – as he pleads for mercy and Dog jumps right through the shadow. It's not really there or something. It's complicated. Ooh. The figure stands over him and takes on a strange form. Finally, though, the dead man arrives. He fires the figure, but it does nothing. The shadows whirl around him and says, he's the one. And he'll know who the shadow is when he knows himself. Oh, oh yes. Interesting. Got to do some introspection there, man. Exactly. Spend those uh, introspection skill points. Yes, he doesn't know <laughs> why it didn't kill him. And that's what the dead man wants to know, too. They make mm. their... Oh, doing something outside my window, freaking me out. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> Yasa doesn't know what uh, anyone wants to do. They make their way through the grunt forest and stand over and stand on a mesa over the acid river. It's weird to think that the that the terror saved Yasa from the grunts, but mm. he's worried that it only saved him for a worse fate. Ooh, man, I'm so into <laughs> so, this. Totally danger acid of river. Have flooded the danger as it river. It's over its embankment and, and the bridge over it as well. And it's super acidy, so watch <laughs> out. <laughs> but this reminds the dead man of something. He's crossed this river. He fell in it. That's why he's covered in burns and all gross. Ah. Something else was driving him onwards despite the pain and, you know, general meltiness that the acid caused him. Meltdown man. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> He's Nick Stoning it. He's doing a combination of Nick Stoning it and uh, RoboCop wanting it. You know, Ooh, that one yeah, RoboCop. Yeah. yeah. And then they run into Listen, him and he just explodes. Turns into like a like a fine gel. Mm. Love that. Love RoboCop. Anyway, we've talked about that a lot. But um, anyway. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Yeah. They're, they're getting close to the answer. The dead man can't wait for the river to go down. Instead, he like kind of preps a canister or something by a dead tree. And um, says that this is as far as Yasa goes. There's danger ahead and he can't expose Yasa to it. But like, buddy, <sighs> yeah, that like ain't you're on happen. the other side of the grunt forest, you know? Like, he can't just walk home at this point. It's too just late. 
ditch a child in the middle of nowhere. Like, in close proximity to a forest full of cannibal Neanderthals. You know? <laughs> just just doesn't seem like good parenting. Live that life. Hey, listen, good guardianship, even. Like, this yeah. is bad babysitting as much as anything, mm. Fox. <laughs> Charge bad <laughs> babysitting. <laughs> Guilty. Um, the dead man sets off a homemade bomb to knock over the tree and then books it across because even as he does, you know, this is one of those quick time events. The tree itself is uh, smashed to tree. Acid. Listen, yeah, absolutely. Well, no, I, th- I, th- I think you're jumping from branch to branch. This is one of those uh. bunch of different button buttons ones, you know. Um, ridiculous. <laughs> Um, as he does, Yas and Dog are after him. Yas barely makes it across as the acid burns one of his boots. Oof. Got a hole the in the boot. Oh, no. Be- better than a snake, I guess. Ooh, uh. um. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, the dead man curses him and tells Yas not to follow, but he does so anyway. What I are mean, you going to do? Yeah, you're not going to stop me. Come on. Um... They move into another forest as Yasu remembers that shadowy lady from before and the terror she brought with her. It seems he can feel her strongly guiding them on. And they arrive at another clifftop, this one overlooking what was once the town of Crowley, but there's no sign of life there now. They both can feel it, that this place is where they'll find their answers and more. Next time, Revelation! Who boy, liked it, uh... You know, lots of good action in this, but the one thing that sort of revealed itself to me, and I, I only noticed as soon as I uh, finished uh, reading for this, um, mm-hmm. all of the narration is being done by Yasa, right? Yep. But with yep. a, but not in, at least now, uh, not with his kind of speech pattern, if that makes sense. Mm, so yeah, I that's wonder true. if that's yeah, some no, foreshadowing. No, no, the whole time, I think, pretty much. Yeah. So it's it's clear that he's, you know, this is likely an older version of him. I mean, he's recounting some kind of story and it's, it's, oh, it was just yeah. neat. Oh, like as soon as I, I kind of noticed that, I was like, oh, you know, okay. Yeah. Can't stress enough. This does not give Yasu any kind of plot armor or anything like that. Just so you know. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> yeah. So... I'll also tell you, Fox, that uh, the Dead Man will conclude in January. So the next time we talk about okay. frogs, we'll, we'll finish up the Dead Man. I'm ultra pumped for it, Fox. Oh man, <laughs> it's gonna be good, huh? I've been, I've been, I've had. Okay, like uh, let's talk about it next episode. But yeah, I'm really excited for All it. All right, man. Now like, I'm pumped. Yeah, buddy, get up there, get up and get down. That's right. With the sickness. And speaking of. <laughs> can't do it anyway um speaking of cursed earth adjacent things fox beautiful let's go two thrill three touch dread oh man i was looking forward to it pays to be mental so hard i love <laughs> Still this oh it's so yeah, great totally yeah script robot john wagner alan grant art robots paul marshall jim bakey and steve yole letting robot tom frame so uh wagner and paul marshall start us off uh, yeah, so as you said, way back in Prague 468, mm-hmm. our episode 149, we met a young, a weird young mega citizen that was totally mental. Mental in that he could see through the fourth wall and directly communicate with the reader specifically. He seems he's to be doing all right for himself. Dead, yeah, he's doing okay. He's got terminal Deadpool uh, syndrome. I don't oh, know. Wow. Um, 
He's now out of the cubes, and it still pays to be mental. Oh yeah, I survive on the streets of Mega City 1 because I'm just crazy as hell. Hey, he points out word balloons and the readers <laughs> when Dread comes over to hassle him, but soon lets him go. Um, just sort of more like, uh, keep your nose clean, crazy. Stop pointing out plot contrivances and the nature of uh, comic books. If I you're, mean, that's, if you know probably, you. that's probably against the law, I'll be honest. I mean, it doesn't seem like it is, but that's probably just because the Justice Department itself doesn't realize it's in a comic book. It would be illegal if they had full information. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> Do not break the fourth wall. Do not break the fourth wall. That's right. Yeah, property damage. Wow. Um, <laughs> later, he's walking down the street when a suitcase calls to him. It's got legs. Very Discworldy section here. Oh, um, man. It's so – oh, fucking Discworld shout out for sure. And also, yeah, man, I loved I, – I mean, it was a horrible kind of like made-for-TV series that was – you know, I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't, but I I, I, I listened to coverage on it by uh, by our buddies over at uh, the British Invaders podcast. It is, is what, uh, it is not fantastic, but it is – I enjoyed it a ton. It was yeah, real I think weird. that sort of – Honestly, when I think of BBC adaptions of things, that's mostly what I'm looking for, Fox. Just that it sort of is fun and recognizes mm. its own limitations, you know? <laughs> Not everything is I, Claudius, you know? Ex uh, exa yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so when this mental dude is investigates the case, it seems that it's um, occupied by his insane uh, shrink from the previous <sighs> story. So great. He needs, he needs this guy's help. He wants to get back in the cubes. He's tired of this insane real world. Things make sense in them cubes. Not a lot to do. Not a lot to freak you out. No. So they quickly head to a bank with Dredd just kind of following. I'm like, I don't like the looks of this. Oh, God, um, that's right. I forgot about like the stupid heist. Yeah. They said a robbery note. It's a shrink up. <laughs> You'll give group therapy to all of you. Or else, I guess, right? <laughs> You'll fill out. This um, CBT work workbook, or you'll oh. give me all the money. One of the two. Wow. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> showing some hands. Um, so um, anyway, Dread shows up, sends the shrink back to the cubes, warns the mental lad that if he does keep unless he keeps his nose clean, it's a lobotomy next time. Jesus. And Dread hauls off the suitcase. It pays to be mental, but not that mental. Uh, I love this guy. God, I love him. Yeah, no, he's fun, just walking around. And it's it, it's great because I feel like he's the only person that Dredd can't generally arrest, you know? <laughs> Truly. So he's very just like pointing out things in the world and Dredd's like, I guess. He just, ah, man, it's it, I just love this because it's so just zany, which is such a juxtaposition, Definitely. you know? Yeah, and I feel like, like in 89, <laughs> this fourth wall breaking stuff's also very fresh. Yeah. I think. Like, there's a point where it can be a little much, but I think right now, this is like, ah, yes, like, these are good jokes to make. Well, like, mid-90s, it definitely started happening a lot more often as people tried to do a Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, once it's, yeah, once it, once it kind of becomes, like, a, a Deadpool or a Zach Morris or something, then yeah. it's like, okay, <clears throat> this might be enough, you know? Anyway, next up, Jim Bakey's on art for a Dread story full of Christmassy narration that I'm positive Fox hated. Oh, <laughs> man. How did you know? 
I, you know, I, I figured it out. Oh, we're, we're dealing with a fallout from you giving the horn god a bottom thrill, right? As we're recording because of all the narration. My fucking no. these boxes, they just totally like, fine. Went fucking no, there's, ham. There's a lot of boxes. There's a lot of narration boxes. The text is very small. I had to uh, like wide my window and stuff to read them. Didn't appreciate it. Nope. Um. But so basically, on Christmas Eve, the Justice Department lets out a bunch of convicts, mostly because of prison overcrowding, not because they're nice guys. Um, and among <laughs> them is someone named is a little dude named Little Spuggy, short dude. He was a pretty heavy hitter. He was in there for like thirty years, and just assumes he was let out by mistake, and just kind of keeping his mouth shut about it. But instead, he's being observed and followed by Judge Dredd. Oh yeah, as you do, like. Listen. Gonna put him right back in, I guess. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Spuggy arrives at the lame duck bar, shocking the owner. It uh seems his stash is hidden under a floor tile in the back. And when Spuggy goes to get it, the owner pulls a pistol and draws down. But Spuggy comes up with a last blaster and kills him. Man, I love the like heads. <laughs> In this yeah, Jim Bakey's drawing some real fun, fun like uh, faces and uh, mm. bodies in this one. Actually, good, good, good character work here. Um, it's um, he does get hit in the stomach by by uh, by, by the uh, waiter shot or the, the restaurant owner shot as well. But he takes a secret black book of underworld info from the stash's false bottom. That's the real prize that everybody's trying to get here. <laughs> a false bottom in the box that you hid under a floorboard. Well, yeah, because he says that, like, he notices some of the money's taken. Like, presumably, he couldn't trust the guy whose floorboard is under not to root around and try to take some stuff from it, you know? Always got to be careful with your little black books, man. Always. Yeah, listen. Um, blah, blah. So, uh, Dred's in pursuit, and, and an APB is put out on Spuggy. Spuggy probably stole the uh, the, the car of the uh, restaurant owner. He heads to his girlfriend's place in the Damon Runyon block. And I'm going to assume that this is named after the writer of gangland stories in the early 20th century that, like, Guys and Dolls was based on and stuff. Okay. And not the actor that played Coach Carson on Degrassi, The Next Generation. <laughs> probably because that dude is, like, 18 at this point and hasn't really started acting. Um, wow. <laughs> um, he bursts into, into, into her apartment and kills her new boyfriend, Ron, who is in insurance. Thelma, the girlfriend, tries to make nice with Spuggy, but accidentally lets slip that she's the one that informed on him. So he goes to toss her off the balcony. Oh, these broads. God, she um, had to get luckily, down on her knees to, like, actually have him at head height. Yeah, this is a complicated relationship. Luckily, Dredd has arrived. He shoots Spuggy, and the f con falls off the side of the balcony himself. On top of the big Christmas tree below, he hits the star and burns to a cinder. Kind of pretty, ain't he? For a second, he's like a little angel. <laughs> uh, An anyway, impaled they little covered. angel. <laughs> but he, because he's burned to a cinder, the black book has too. So it's bad times mm. for the judges and for all the dudes that get that got killed in the course of this story. Wow. And for Spuggy, I guess. But I mean, good was... times for Thelma. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That insurance policy Ooh. is cashed. Yeah, apparently her boyfriend bought a bunch of insurance policies and made her the beneficiary, so she uh, really cleaned up here. Good times. <sighs> All's well that ends all right. Yeah, I don't know. Ended moderately. Yeah. Moderate, moderate win. I'm fine with just some lady getting rich. That's uh, whatever. <laughs> speaking of uh, things ending poorly. Yeah, speaking of going over the sides of apartment buildings, oh, Fox. Jesus, Alan Grant yeah. and Steve Yole take over now. 
It's the first non-future shocker zenith by by, by Yoel here. Um, and I think he's got really interesting color work. This is kind of a painted dread. Yeah. Um, a lot of like solid colors and the, I, I feel like the facial expressions have been kind of drawn on to sort of uh, 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 block color. That's um, very painterly. Yeah. Dredd tries to arrest a perp but kills him instead. And when he calls it in, he's asked to notify the family himself. Oof. At the High Funk Conapse, Dredd goes to inform the family of Sly Stoned, and they freak out, as you do, especially when Dredd says he was killed arrest he, he was killed resisting arrest for armed robbery. Um and the freaked out family quickly twigged the fact that it was actually Dredd that did the killing. Just and holy hell breaks loose. Sl- Sly's dad comes swinging at him with a cane, but then keels over from a heart attack. It's just racking up that that body count, my dude. Definitely. Suddenly, another of the stone kids attacks Dredd, but Dredd smoothly dodges, and the kid falls down the stairs of like this balcony <laughs> thing to his death again. Jeez, man. Dredd tries to keep everybody calm, but then the baby of the family runs up and bites him on the on the gun glove, man. and the rest of the family rushes him. With a crack, um, everyone goes flying off the side of the railing of the front balcony, dozens of floors above the, the street. And only Dredd, who like grabs the balcony <laughs> railing in time, manages to survive with the baby biting his hand. And all, they're the only ones that, that avoid the, the deadly plunge. Just goddamn. Just everybody. Dredd calls in a meat wagon because it looks like the whole family is going to be at the funeral. Oh, yuck, yuck, yuck. What's that? Such a fozzy bear joke. Real good, real good slapstick murder of a family here. Pretty solid. <laughs> like, I like this. This is fine. It was a nice sandwich, you know, with really rotten meat. Oh, I, yeah. Like, I think, you know, this was a real, like, except for all the narration in a, in Little Smuggy's Christmas, this is a real, like, three-prog, just, like, example of what Dread's possible. of Just straight I... humor to, like, gangland stuff to kind of humor, like, like a slapstick death, you I mean, know? It, it was just Looney Tunes in the middle of the fucking comic. Absolutely, yeah. Good stuff. L- love when Dread can do, like, listen. I appreciate these lighthearted moments for Dread Fox. Oh man, not gonna. <laughs> this this might be a feature of Dread that might be fading out a little bit oh. in the coming year. Is what I'm oh. trying to say. Oh, listen, other things take its place. It's fine. Um, but <laughs> Sam Slade. Uh, nah, nah. <laughs> I'm just saying more like things take its place in the tone of Dread. Is what I'm trying gotcha. to say. Um. But uh, speaking of a uh, change, no, that's not a good one. I don't know. Speaking of looking forward to the next year, Fox. All right, let's talk about non thrills, covers, and nerf setters. Fox six five seven. I like this cover. Yeah. He's in the crosshairs. Definitely. Yeah, Dread sees red in the crosshairs of this Kev Hopgood cover. In the nerf setter, Dark congratulates himself on a job well done and yeah, teases several new thrills: uh, Bix Barton, Armored Gideon. Harlem Heroes reboot and okay. Bradley. Ooh. Oh, that ended. I don't. I don't want that last one. 
listen, those back that back half is rough. There's a pictures of Clan Mac Ucko and a rock and roll judge. Letters say the new 2000 AD is almost as thrilling as the third weekly episode of Coronation Street, Street they've started airing. Um, a reader wants to know what Splundigvirth Rig means. And then more compliments for the new Rogue Trooper and questions about Kraken beating Dread in that uh, skill assessment we saw uh, um, two episodes ago. Yeah. Intrigue. is a intrigue. Midprog, there's a bits column by Steve May. It's there's rad. Just. Yeah, listen, as a video, as video game nerds, I, or I, I know as a video game nerd myself, I like, you know, had a lot of, uh, like, uh, thoughts about this one. But, uh, yeah, they talk about an early war game called Universal Military Simulator. There's a teaser for both the Game Boy and the Atari APCES, which would later be known as the Lynx, a uh, giant skateboard of a, of a handheld gaming system. Oh, jeez. I've never even heard of that. Oh, the Lynx! Oh man, it was it was it, it had a color it had a color screen, and it came out at around Whoa. the same time as the Game Boy, so it was cool. But like, it was literally like the like in terms of like height and width, it was as big as like a loaf of bread, maybe like not as thick. Holy crap! But like, it was it it, it, it I remember it at least. This <clears> might have been my tiny hand, but like, it's it was larger than like the handheld version of a Switch. So it's like, kind of like Nintendo a Game Switch Gear right now, almost. I mean, thin, yeah, basically, like like larger than a Game Gear. Holy for sure! Ah, but oh my god, with with a screen like probably smaller than a playing card or maybe playing card size screen, Ugh. and it needed like eight AA batteries, and you got like an <laughs> hour of game life out of that. Yep, sounds like uh fucking handhelds back then. Very early night, like you know, it was like it it was sort of on the like one of the early like uh um. Yeah, handheld ones, but I think the game, like, also one of these ones where, where the Game Boy really ate its lunch, you know? Um, anyway, oh, yeah. there's also a discussion of how Nintendo makes its games console exclusive, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, it's and like just, a scrambling technology is what they said, and I'm like, I don't know if that's a fucking thing. I don't know if it's true or not. I, I, I honestly didn't look it up, but it, it, it kind of makes sense just because if you think of, like, I'm thinking of, like, a lot of early game systems, like you know, your, your Ataris and stuff, would have pro- you know would have problems with people making all these bootleg games and things like that. That would just um, like be of, of poor quality or oh, just clones sure. of other games and stuff like I that. I think they you just know, had I mean, a proprietary chip, from what I understand. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've talked about this before, but like you know, the thing that 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 Nintendo did was sort of be really anal about um, making sure the games work and having a compliance, mm. you know, com- compliance standards and stuff like that. Yeah, which the is kind seal of, of quality. Yeah, which uh, um, pretty much every other console has since copied, you know, since like the eight, since the the eighties or mm. since since the late eighties, early nineties, which sort of allowed this console stuff to not just fall by the wayside. Sort of. Anyway, enough of Conrad's <laughs> talking about video game history. Um, <laughs> For my for for my thesis, I will. But anyway, um, yeah, it, this this column also talked about the recent increase in movie tie-ins, which of course continues to this day. Rug six fifty eight. Speaking of Christmas, Merry Christmas! A bunch of kids climb all over Judge Dredd in this festive column by Richard Dolan. I love this guy's work. He just draws these real, um, super detailed painted yeah. covers of things. Those kids are terrifying. <laughs> Listen, they're real, like uh, real you know goblin kids for sure. <sighs> Garbage pail kids. <laughs> yeah. He's uh I've I've remarked on his painterly style a couple times this year. <clears throat> um his story with the mean machine should be on the podcast by the end of twenty twenty. I'm very excited about it. Oh um, yeah. In the 
In the nerve center, Tharg flogs his annuals and specials. There's a picture of a rogue trooper bad company mashup with Venus flytrap. He's got a plant arm. <laughs> and uh, Judge Gollum from Lord of the Rings. I assume this is like the uh, the the cartoon version or something. Uh, oh, yeah, maybe. Questions – yeah, questions asks what are in all of Tharg's belt pouches. Um, another asks how Judge Corey can be alive when she died in the special and its timeline issues, of course, mm. as we'll soon see more of. There's And then another reader demands more slain. Mitprog. It's a 2008 – there's a 2000 AD advertisement. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, Fantastic. And an ad for another volume of the Daily Dreads. Prog ends with a, the, then one of these Massimo Bellardinelli art files. Wonderful. This time – Yeah, it's amazing. It's our buddies from Ace Trucking complete with big guns and wrenches and Ace Gar- Scarf playing the drums. Hit the Mac Mac say, on the comeback and 10-10 never again, my man. Absolutely. I will say that I noticed that, you know, all these art files have had dates for the thrills that they're talking about. Uh-huh. This one gives the dates of Ace Trucking from 1981 to 1985. Incorrect. Which is basically, basically disavowing the 1986 stories Doppelgarp and Carpetbaggers, oh, which wow. we were fans of. Yeah, those were bad. Real yeah, bad. Really dragged it down in our uh, top and bottom throw rankings for sure. Finally, the kid's all right. Another kid cover. Actually, all three three dread covers this this yeah. uh, section. Steve Yole draws dread <laughs> and that little jerk kid in a precarious uh, s- s- situation. In the nerve center, um, Tharg is back from a convention in Oxford where he was asked the usual questions. Boy, what you gonna call 2000 AD in the year oh. 2000, isn't it? What's Brown. on the dread's helmet? <laughs> and so forth. <laughs> I like dinosaurs and I like cowboys. <laughs> when you bring it flesh back, I want to see some of that. Oh, mm, anyway. <laughs> fantastic. Someday. Not n- not for a while yet. <coughs> um, blah, blah, blah. Letters are critical of the war machine, but have mm. high praise for Slain. There are rumors of Dread coming to an untimely and sticky end. Another huh? reader loves War Machine and Thargax. Oh, but do you hate Slain? Blah, blah, blah. And another reader requests more info on the uh, lawmasters of various mega cities. But Tharg says, no way, buddy. There's a reprint of the schematics we put up before in the newest collected edition. Mm. Um, all right, bud. <laughs> Midprog, there's an ad for something called the Alpha Omega yeah, Collection. What the hell is this? It looks like a British indie comic. There's not a lot of information online, but the one thing I could find was buying one, was buying the first issue on eBay for like four pounds, which I almost did buy Fox <laughs> because the, the, the listing was four pounds. That's not but too bad. Then with yeah, but with postage it was like thirty pounds. Jesus. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like that seems like a lot, you guys. The Prague ends with a pinup of uh, Paul Marshall, uh, by Paul Marshall of Tharg the Mighty as Father so Christmas. Weird. Listening to Bert's gift request as a bunch of other droids, including Mac One and Two and Rockzilla, look on angrily. It's just a very weird image with him just like staring at you. He's mostly asking for engine products, casual GTX, etc. Yeah, you know. Have yourself a scrontnig little Christmas and a Zarjaz New Year, Fox. Nailed it. I mean, I guess they had to stick those in, right? Gotta do it. Gotta do. have these terms, you know? <laughs> How will you know that I am from another planet? Yeah, listen. It's a comic book tradition. And speaking of comic book traditions, Fox. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Thrill for Zenith. 
Script robot Grant Morrison, art robot Steve Yole, letting robot Gordon Robson is kid. Alternative 257, March 14th, 1989. Super being, Electro Man, has been taken over by Aloy Gore. And it's pretty bad news, to be honest. I mean, it um, definitely appears that way until it isn't. Definitely. Yeah, he goes to zap a parent sidekick, Electro Girl, who's a character from 1940s Brit comics, including a brief run in Wizard pre-chips. But before huh? he can... But before he, he can hit... Uh, hit her with lightning or whatever weird stuff he's got. Something happens to his brain like razors in my eyes. Yeah, he um, really just has a freak out session. Definitely, yeah. But it's, it's clearly being caused by uh, the mental whatevers of a, of a mantra and mandala who are doing that real significant I am doing psychic abilities stare on him, you know. Uh. Um, streamline and Vertex run up and give him the old woomph and walk. I mean, man, he just fucking gut punches the shit out of that guy yeah good one vertex not zenith for the record vertex <laughs> and when electro man fights uh fights back with a blast it's easily absorbed by ruby fox aka voltage she, electro girl man she okay. and she has like this whole thing where she's like oh electricity do you even know who i am and it's just like oh it's so badass Totally, yeah. This is what this is what Halle Berry was was trying to do in that first X Men movie, buddy. Strong you know. agree. What happens when a toad gets hit by electricity? Uh, anyway, uh, uh, Electro Girl begs Ruby not to kill Electro Man, eh. but then she clearly just blows a giant hole in his rib cage. I mean, yeah. And what's awesome? It shows like the rib cage. Like in his open wound after that, it was like it was oh yeah, great. I mean this this feels like a real strength of what Yol's doing on the art of Zen- of Zenith. We kind of talked about it a lot when they sort of show up on these on these Loigor worlds that have been like that are full of like carnage and catastrophe. Or he kind of draws because he kind of draws it like because he makes so much use of white and black space yeah. with, with how he draws, you, you kind of get a sense of things without seeing the reality of them. Exactly. And you sort of intuit or like fill in the gaps. Yeah. And so, you know, Electro Man's body is sort of partially drawn, but you can definitely see pieces coming out of it that makes it pretty clear that like this guy's rib cage has been ripped open and he's not in a good spot, you know? <sighs> Some of these heroes are much, much better than the others. There's definitely, yeah, I, well, I mean, like with a situation like Crisis on Infinite Earths or something like that, you know, you do get a, a pretty broad range of superhero powers, you know, yeah, it's you like, uh, listen, yeah, it's like when you're fighting Th- uh, uh, Thanos and, you know, you got Spider-Man and you got, like, Doctor Strange, you know, they've got different levels of power. Hashtag Thanosgate. Gross. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, um... They're safe for now, and it seems Archie was part of the cavalry here to help. DJ Cool's got the bomb ready as Mantra erects an Einstein Rosenbridge. The team escapes as Wyvern, as Wyvern the Loigor appears, just in time to pick up the reality bomb as it explodes. And everything was nothing. Yep, exactly. We go to alternative 303, and I'll mention that uh, Zenith and Dead and the Dead Man are frequently trading positions in the prog as we go through these episodes. Mm. Um, and I believe this is the same reality that we went to in the prologue of Zenith Phase 2 with the T-Rex bullfighting and stuff. And also where fucking Acid Archie got his goddamn T-Rex. It's where Acid Archie got the T-Rex. We see the supers chilling. 
near Ayers Rock with some Diplodocuses, and just reminder: this world never had any superhero or super beings. And so it it's not really found on, on anything yet. Yeah, it's it's not on the Loigor's radar. Radar basically. Hey, and we see a character a character named Black Archer from the comics in Tiger, and he wants to know if the universe is safe now, or what, or what what's going on. God, he's and just Man- thrown a fucking hissy fit. Yeah, Mantra doesn't know, and he makes a point that now we see the challenges of having a specifically anarchistic team leader. You know, that's kind of coming to fore here. Um, meanwhile, Big Ben is popping pills, and Zenith's making fun of him for it because he's an asshole. Yep. Several- Several heroes also look over the body of Hotspur. He seems to be completely paralyzed, and the psychics are unwilling to check his brain because it could be a Loigor trap. Hey, man, that seems pretty legitimate to me. Definitely. There's a fair amount of continued bickering and worry over the fact that two of the more powerful superheroes, Ace Heart and Captain Miracle, have gone missing. Meanwhile, Big Ben is sitting over Hotspur's body and announces that he thinks the hero is dead. So sad. I love it's Big bu- Ben. It's a, yeah, it's a bummer just how he announced it. Like, excuse me, I think he's dead. He's such a, like, I love Big Ben so much. Definitely, yeah, he's a real sad character. You know, he really brings mm. that across, despite the fact that he's mostly there. just get capped on by Zenith constantly. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> As they check the body, Ben goes to Zenith to confide something. When he died, Hotspur was blinking a message in Morse code. Maxi Man is one of them! One oh. of the Loigor! Oh my god! I just kind of, yeah, I mean, saw that coming a bit. <laughs> You know, it's how it goes. He blew um, up two universes, or at least told people to. Exactly. Yeah, he m- made that plan. Uh, ben sits idly as Zenith and Mandala talk privately. It's concerning information, to be sure, but it might explain why the Loigor seem to know when they're uh, seem to know what's going on. Mandala has Zenith bring Mantra over and. Or bring Mantra over and then curses him for himself for a fool. Black Archer continues giving Mantra a hard time <laughs> when Zenith sends her to Mandala. Then he brushes off Vertex and gets flirted with by that uh, shazzy meta maid lady from last from uh, previous episodes. Man, he is Vertex is just trying to make bros, and he God Zenith is such a jerk. I think it is funny how he brushes him off just because Vertex is like, hey, Zenith, man, you know, we're like uh, extra dimensional doubles. We should hang out and like talk or, or <laughs> we haven't had a chance to really talk about stuff. And Zenith's like, yeah, isn't that great? And then just kind of moves on. Uh, <laughs> real jerk here. So jerk. Um, anyway, uh, soon the hero Streamline is approached by Mandala and Mantra oh, and they this. hoist him into the air mentally. Yeah, they're, they're blocking his powers. And you're going to tell us about Maxi Man. I mean, he can explode you probably and also send you into an insane psychedelic fucking brain trip. There's no way That's he's right. not going to tell them what they want. <laughs> yeah, Slipstream says he won't and Peter, and Peter Sinjin, a.k.a. Mandala, respectfully disagrees as white <laughs> sparks shine in his eyes. Oh man, so good. Next episode, question time. Man, I love how just immediately uh, Electroman, Electro yeah. Electro guy, uh, just gets yeah, blasted. Yeah. Ugh, it's so good. Like, like they they really like. There are some like moments in this comic where they just really draw out the pain, and then other moments where it's just passe, and I love it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it does go back a lot to what we talked about with the power imbalance of a lot of these mm. characters. You know, I mean, it seems like a lot of those Beano types weren't really that tough in, in the in the other realities. So when yeah. some of these um like a Zenith like, you know, a, a, a Cloud Nine type show up, they're got a they've got a like not like well, no, I guess, yeah, it seems like all the Cloud Niners seem pretty capable of taking on these Loigor. I'm just thinking of, like, how uh, Mandala managed to brain Master Man pretty oh, easily yeah, in, right. uh, in, the, in the first story as well, you know. Like, use his brain powers, I mean, not, like, crack his head. And you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, um, I mean, even Big Ben picked up a goddamn airplane and threw it at people, you know? That was pretty dope, absolutely. That's so yeah. rad. When, one thing I am realizing, Fox, as people are responding to our Zenith um, coverage mm. in, in, in real life, and because I recognize the next time for this final one, but I really hope all of these uh, Zenith um, next times haven't been British TV shows that I've been missing. Because oh. that's a bummer, if it is. But anyway. <laughs> really? If so, I'll go back. Well, because I know Question Time <laughs> is like a government show. It's like a chance to like talk talk to government folks and ask them, you know, ask for reporters to ask them key, important questions. Oh, and PMQs and stuff, and like stuff, stuff like that. Something like that. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I got to go back and check, I guess. Anyway. Speaking of not going back, Fox, or speaking of speaking of leaving it up to chance, I so often. I was do. about to say we're not going to chance this, are we? <laughs> Thrill five, Anderson, side of vision. So for for the entire thing before we jump in, I thought he was yeah. rolling multiple dice, but then just saying like up to six. So like I mm. I just was confused for like halfway through this comic. No, no, just one. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, script about Alan Grant, art about Carlos Escara, letter about Steve Potter. If it's a one, a three, or a five, I marry Della, move to the West Sectors, and live happily ever after. If it's a two or a four, I spend the rest of the day looking for a non-existent job. If it's a six, if it's a six, I waste a judge. I mean, he seems to do it pretty easily. Yeah, a judge is killed, and the random man is on the loose. A lady yells at her boyfriend as a passerby breaks the glass of a judge emergency alarm and Cassandra Anderson is on the scene. Man, his girlfriend is just, like, verbally destroying him. Real good uh, henpeck girlfriend stuff going on here. Always nice. Nice to see it outside of Future Shocks, but it's always good to see it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> She scans the mind of the dead judge, finding images of dice and a beautiful lady in them. She orders the witness taken to interrogation and tries to make sense of the judge's final thoughts. At a nearby restaurant, the girlfriend uh, continues to yell at her fiancé as he picks up a dice and rolls it. He'll marry her or emigrate to Brit... Um, or emigrate to Britsit or, on a six, pie to the face! I mean, classic cream pie to the face. Definitely. Uh, although I think this might be... This might be like a trans, like a uh, a miscommunication because they do order pies. Oh but yeah, they say it's a it's a near meatish pie. Yeah, which would seem to be that that would be a be a, a traditional uh, Brit pie, like yum, where yum. it's like a a a a a, a, a crust with like a savory ingredients oh, so and stuff. So wonderful, tasty as all hell. But 
I feel like Escara, still a Spaniard at his heart, has drawn a more traditional cream pie, which is what they, which is what a pie actually is, you lousy non-Americans. Man, anyway, I love the cream explosion. Good cream pie, always. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Later at Side Division, Anderson's once again put together a composite face using a computer of some sort, similar to in that story Triad, but this oh, time yeah. it's a 3D image. Um, and the face doesn't match any woman in Mega City One, but a, it does match a person, a man by the name of Nick Kim. That's why you gotta roll with the hunches, Fox. Man, there are some pronoun problems upcoming. Listen, Oof. at the at the Kensitas Club, which is a brand of Scottish cigarettes, and thus an example of Alan Grant having a go. A lady <laughs> is Jessica rabbiting as time goes by when a gun's drawn on her. It's Anderson. Oof, gonna you gonna know, arrest, it's, gonna arrest this yeah. lady, and I will only refer to her as a woman. Thank you. Having a having a booby sing song with Jessica rabbiting. Um, <laughs> booby sings. <laughs> Yeah. The the judge takes the singer backstage, and when the crowd gets restless, she pulls off the singer's wig. It's a man, baby! Wow. Yeah. Fun stuff in 1989, probably not as cool in 2020. And for one last time, Fox, it was acceptable in the 80s. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Meanwhile... Yeah, the random man prepares to throw his dice again, make up with his girlfriend, have a hot dog, or destroy the evidence of his judge killing. I mean, he seems to be hitting these sixes pretty consistently. Seriously. In a moment of clarity, he worries that this dice is ruling his life and throws it away. But after he does, he has kind of rolled it. And if it's a two, three, or four, he'll go home. On a one or a five, he'll confess. And if it's a six... More murder. Oh, man. I mean, he is just... Uh, seems like a bad way to live your life. Seriously. I, you know, I mean, it's it's as, it's as bad a way to live your life as any other subculture in Mega City 1. Which that is Which I guess means pretty bad, actually. <laughs> like, not a great way to do it. I mean, you should um, just get into, like, knee pad construction or something. Yeah. Can't you just customize some knee pads or get into, into bat gliding? Just exactly. maybe wash up a little bit? Get super like, into, I like, clean luchador. I feel great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, man, that'd be me, too. Well, no, actually, I think both of our Mega City One uh, life-defining hobbies would just be podcasting uh, banned books or something. That's pretty fair. <laughs> Although, I guess, we would we be pirate radio? Something. Yeah. I don't know. I got to think about it. <laughs> Maybe we just find something else acceptable that had been running for thousands of issues. Don't we just we sit out in, like, about. the middle of... of uh, people and just talk well you know presumably we'd have both started mega city 2 so maybe they have different um guidelines and stuff they seem a um, lot more lax that's for sure it's it's true so a uh, backstage <laughs> anything to keep talking about this part a, a, um backstage anderson braces the singer <laughs> it seems the dead judge had taken his shine to her visiting her after hours even kissed her Oof. and now they're going to the cubes for deceiving a judge and listen you don't know what that judge was into or what his kinks were? You could have known. That that feels so contrived, too, because it's like, really? I mean, they, yeah. clearly not lying. Again, acceptable in the 80s. Meanwhile, the <sighs> random man is wandering the streets with a knife, finds a victim as Anderson takes the arrested string singer out. A scream goes up from a nearby alley. Stabby, stabby. Stabby, stabby, hey, stabby. Hey. 
Anderson cuts, cuffs the singer to a catch pole, just sort of leaving him out there in the night. Oh, man, I um, love that move. That's a classic judge move. Totally. She finds the body from Last Prague with a knife in its chest. We get narration about how the dice liberated the random man. <laughs> and we learn that, that indeed this is a subculture called chancing, which is just sort of basing everything on dice rolls. It yeah, cures okay. the headache of making up your own mind and frees you from responsibility because it's the dice's fault. I'm just doing what this cube says. Man, that is some irresponsible shit. Mm. He climbs a fire escape as Anderson's in hot pursuit. He rolls to see how he should respond, but the dice falls off the side of the fire escape and not hit lands on Anderson's head. Now that's some bad luck. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've been weeks without future shocks, Fox. I gotta, get, I, I gotta let them out. These air horns must be activated. Seriously, you know, you'll, if you use it or lose it, you know. Um, Anderson draws down and opens fire on the random man. Samuel laughing, laughing, and then arrests him. No laughing matter. I think we wow. all got it. We got it. Move on. Um, Wing. Back at Side Div, Side Division, a senior judge who was maybe that dude that explained stuff from Triad. It's hard to tell. He kind, yeah. of, kind of wearing glasses and stuff. But he explains the Chancellor phenomenon. But Anderson has a counterpoint because the die Laffin was using was a trick die that only rolled sixes. So, you know, come on, buddy. I mean, like, he obviously then bought it. So why even ask? Like, I mean, himself, maybe I he, mean. Yeah, no, I. I would bet in his insanity, he kind of, he, he might have forgot, um, kind That's of. That's fair. But I I do think that also this is definitely how you get that, how uh, you, you, or like, I don't know, like, if I was Anderson, I would say that, that this makes it premeditated and put him in the regular cubes instead of the psycho cubes, but whatever else, he, you know. He flipped a, uh, a um, double-sided coin. If it lands on heads, I'm going to buy this loaded die. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, this is, I feel like this is literally like a mid-story plot point in a yeah. Two-Face story as opposed to That's like so the weird. end of, a, of, of an Anderson story, sort of a, the, the differences be, be, between these characters. It's such a bizarre little romp, but it was it was cute. Yeah, she tosses the die in the trash, and in the sight cubes, laughing is making bets on the screams of his cellmates. On a one, three, or five, I'll beat my head on the wall. Two or four, I'll hold my breath till I pass out. And on a six, I'm joining in. I mean, seems like uh, like he's doing all right for himself then. Yeah, yeah, an excellent tale of murder and insanity for the Christmas season. <laughs> <laughs> tis, tis the season. Absolutely. And with that. Oh, cheesy Pete's. We completed our progs. These uh, these uh, slim three prog episodes really <sighs> go down smooth, Fox. I gotta say, quite tasty, quite tasty. If if I didn't want to get back on the horse and just like keep murdering these progs, I'd think about it. But listen, no, we're four progers for life. That's how we go. Gonna no. be. I've, I've got a scoped out, and we're doing four progs um, <laughs> per episode for the next two years at least. So oh, whatever. Else. All right. <sighs> well, it's been. It's been fun. Three proggers. Sorry. Sorry, pal. You don't have you know, to apologize. It it's it's the part I was born to play, baby. That's good, because I'm not sorry. But I also <laughs> do want to know what your top and bottom thrills are. Oh, man, I don't know. God. I, uh, so, like, top oofa tufa. I'm going to have to give it to Zenith. I really, I, I enjoyed it a lot just for its kind of setup. I certainly enjoyed a lot that they just fucking ice Electro Man, like, immediately. 
Um, yeah. And, and, you know, there's just like, there's some like interesting reveals. We finally get the thing everybody knew um, as information to the rest of the characters that wasn't, I guess, immediately obvious. Uh, clearly, mm-hmm. no one has uh, super intelligence out of the group. Oh, burn. Um, but yeah, honestly, I, I'm just really enjoying Zenith. Uh, I certainly enjoy the carnage and just kind of the different characters. I love that we're getting a lot more Mandala. I love him. Love him so much, even though he's a Tory bastard. Um, <laughs> in terms of bottom, I really don't want to choose one. Um, I I don't want to say Dread, but it, it was the only one where it's like I hated one part of it. So that's like mm-hmm. the only excuse I have, right? So I guess it's Dread, yeah. but like, I mean... Only because I have to. Because those those other ones were fucking fantastic. He killed a whole family. Yeah. That family killed themselves, Fox. I they mean. They could have cooled out at any moment. They definitely seem to just, like, have, an, uh, you know, a life expectancy of that day. But I'm, yeah. I'm rambling on about these things. And you know what, man? I don't. It, it was hard for me. And so, you know, I want to know what you're thinking. What are your top and bottom thrills? Come on, Conrad. Why don't you oh. tell me? It's a good question. Um, I agree, man. I'm really like oh, these um, these five thrill episodes. You know, it's all meat, no uh, oh, so no great. fat, no no future shocks or anything like that. All these stories, pretty good. It's just a real nice time. It's a real nice way to finish off this uh, year of 1989. Mm. Um, I think I might put. Kind of both Chopper and the Dead Man are mm. a little bit low on my list just because they're very much setting like Chopper's kind of setting is, is like poised right at the race at the, at, at the start of the race, you yeah. know. So it's a very much like ooh, and then similarly with Dead Man, we're right at the start of the climax. So this one's very much like oh geez, um, I ooh. and I guess Zenith's like that. I mean, I yeah, guess everything's, everything's in like setup that. mode, right? Just because, uh, yeah, a lot of these, a lot of the continuing stories feel like like we're right on the verge of big revelations oh, man, and great. big, um, and like sort of the st- of of either a big ending revelation or a big thing that takes us into the next act of that story. If that makes sense, yeah, exciting. Like whether it's whether it's the start of the race in in Chopper or the uh, oh my god, like maybe Maxi Man's actually evil. Part of Ze- part of Zenith, you know, yeah. both those are like the next big plot point, and we're sort of just setting those up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for my top, I'm gonna take Anderson. Oh, that's a that's a uh, that's a I good like choice. this nice little three part story. You know, I didn't really like the part with a singer in the middle, yeah, just because that kind of again that feels very. I mean, this is one of these. You know, it's 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 just a joke that hasn't aged well. I'd yeah, say, or I agree just with like that. a a a plot point that I think would get you kind of like uh, would get you dragged on Twitter if it came out today. You know? Oh yeah. In a, in, in something that, you know in either in dread or in some other situation. Um, you know, I mean, you know, honestly, I think it is a, a more interesting story to tell. In um, what if the judge liked the uh, cross-dressing singer as opposed, oh, yeah. or you know, what if that was a whole thing as opposed to uh, kind of like here, like pulling off a wig, like ah, oh, right, here's this, you know, line. what, it, yeah, what a, yeah, you know, what a joke kind of stuff. But but any, you know, obviously, like wishing for 2020 sensibilities in 1989 is a fool's game, Fox. Agree. So 
And generally, though, I like this random, I like this Chancer subculture. I think it's a real cool, like, it's a real cool kind of sinister one. Just the idea of these people, like, you, you know, Definitely using random numbers to determine their, their paths and things like that. And always good to see Anderson. Um, Escara draws an interesting Anderson, I'd say. It's not one of, you know, he's not one of the artists I kind of associate mm. with Anderson. So it's interesting just to see him t- take a hand at it. Um for my bottom, oh, I agree with you. This is a pretty decent month. Like, there's not a lot of, again, just not a lot of fat. Not a lot of easy choices. Exactly. Um, just so tasty. Juicy. Because I really like these dreads, too. Like, I thought I, I thought uh, uh, Little Spuggy's Christmas was was pretty fun, actually. Oh, sure. Just a lot of, you know, very like, uh, like, a, the, like I like that they called out uh, Damon, uh, Damon Runyon in it because this is feels like a very like kind of like gangland see kind of kind of uh, story yeah. you know um, so I guess I we must I don't know. know I'm like I'm I'm really flipping around trying real hard to think about what what I went for my bottom fuck it's I such guess, a rough spot what did you say did I, I, I said JD yeah I guess I'll say Judge Dredd as well. Um, I mean, like, I really, I really like love this chopper story. I really like just like um all of the all of the setup and like the moments of terror in Dead Man were oh, hell really yeah. great. Um, and uh, uh, I really like just like I mean, I I might honestly, I kind of want to say Zenith almost. Hey, that's fine. Like it, a ton May- did not yeah. happen, right? Yeah, I might switch to Zenith just because I feel like this one like. I felt like you could have put two of these two of these progs into one prog, like sort of the uh, the, the Big Ben stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like they they do do a lot of kind of uh, kind of a deconstructed panel formats. Mm. We just have a lot of like steady shots or like you know similar shots over and over again, just to kind of like show people having emotions over time and things like that. Um, so could have been condensed, and we're very much in a game of inches at this point, just because this is a real great month. So I feel like, yeah, I'll toss that from the bottom, and then um, feel bad about it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Embarrassment of riches. Yeah, real good end. Of the real good end of the month when you compare it with the way eighty nine, or end of the year when you compare it with how oh, eighty nine yeah. uh, started, where we just had like. Three, where we'd have three future shocks, reprints, all this stuff. We've definitely come through that particular storm, I think. Um, And I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. On 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter, we're at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000, and we should be there. Then come back next time as we've reached the end of the year. But before we do anything else, we're going to take a look at the 1989 Winter Special. I'm super excited for this episode. It's got a very Christmassy Judge Dredd, the end of the Rogue Trooper hit story, a Medivac 318 side story, and a very fashionable adventure for Tyranny Rex. Plus, we'll be, I'll be joined by a really amazing guest that I'm super stoked for. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. Oh, 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 this is the one then. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, okay. Listen, Fo- Fox is stoked too. It's exciting. I'm. It's gonna be real. It's a real great episode. I've, I've recorded it already. So I, I think it's really neat. It's got a lot of cool info. A lot of cool things. Oh, it's great. Anyway, in two weeks, it's once again time. Then in two weeks, it's once again time for our year in review show. The Spitties. We've got that we'll gold looking- tuxedo dry cleaned and ready. Yeah, Steve. I don't. Yeah, I got get, get the polish out. I mean, it is sequined, so gold. you got to be careful. Oh, not mine. Solid gold. Ooh. Can barely move when I wear it, Fox. Um, <laughs> we're looking for best art, writing, overall thrill, MVP, and favorite month of progs in 1988. 89, I should say. Good Lord. Favorite progs of 1989. Send in your nominations through the various social media channels I just mentioned, and we'll read them on the show. Heck yeah. We're also... On the border of the not of of the eighties and the nineties, the future's looking extremely mixed. But I'd love to hear what some of your top two thousand eighty moments for the eighties are. If you'd like to toss in some extra stuff, it's been a big decade. It's the first full decade we've covered, Fox. Just Hell from yeah, from zero to nine because we're badass podcasters. Oh, fucking, just let me dust off my shoulder a bit here and push my glasses up my nose. That's right. Go to hell, 80s. We're 90s times. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, no. Not yet, but 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 almost. <sighs> um, yeah, so again, Spinny nominate. Yeah, the uh, I'll post the Spinny categories on social media. And again, if you've got um, like some loose 80s memories and favorites as you're listening to this, I'd, I'd love to hear them. And Fox and I will have a, one of our one of our standard um, extremely non-structured conversations about <laughs> it's it. It's going to be fantastic. Well. Definitely. All right. Until then, I'm Connor Eddie's Fox, and we are Space Spitter 2000. What's going on? What's going on?